dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. We're back once again with another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you all once again for joining us. And however you find the show, subscribing to the show through Apple Podcasts, which I hope you rate, review, and give us a big five-star rating. We really would appreciate that. And, of course, Spotify, Stitcher, Speaker, iHeartRadio, all major platforms. We just might not be you know, getting the $100 million deals like a Joe Rogan would be getting, but I'm, you know, I'm jealous of that. What can I say? We're working on this show. We're getting the numbers, but we're, now we're bringing on really some great heavy-hitting guests. I have a great guest for us to go ahead and feature on the program today. Uh, my next guest has over 20 years of private equity experience. He has founded multiple $500 million uh, in alternatives firms. He has an extensive background in building large alternative investment firms and scaling the companies he invests in. I'm here with the founder and managing partner at Entourage Effect Capital, Matt Hawkins. Matt, thanks so much for being with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. And my pleasure. So let's go ahead and really quickly talk about the recent adoption from where we're working right now, from having being used to being in person in front of other uh, people to network with at conferences to going virtual and that investors have needed to adapt to. Now, you have said publicly that you are on the fence about really just the adaption of remote versus uh, working with an, in the office space in that office dynamic, and the same thing on networking dynamic at conferences. Uh, while you said you found virtual conferences useful and remarkably easy, we're doing the same thing right here on this call, you said a big drawback is not being able to quote-unquote kick the tire on a potential transaction. You told Bloomberg this, quote, Pulling the trigger in a new investment for us is almost impossible without meeting management face-to-face and visiting production lines. Expand on that point for us. You bet. Um, it's just, it's for someone, for us that, you know, takes, it, the biggest thing we like to do is underwrite the management teams and the strength of those teams. And doing that over video or over phone is is hard. It's just when you can't, you know, break bread with somebody, sit in front of them and just look at the whites of their eyes and, and be and see how they ebb and flow within their workplace. Um, you know, those are those are big things for us. And when you can't do that, um, it makes it very, very difficult. Um, luckily, you know, things seem to be loosening up a little bit to where um, when we need to do that, we should be able to um, probably later, later this summer. Um, but that was really hard. And, um, and I, and I'll say this, it's, it's probably just as hard for an investor to invest with us as a fund manager, um, without having met us. Um, it's a little bit easier probably from that standpoint, because they can look at our track record. They can, you know, obviously see us over the phone and, or see, excuse me, see us over zoom or whatever platform we were, we'd be using. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I certainly can't blame somebody if they don't want if they don't want to pull the trigger until they sit down with me personally. I could absolutely see where sales and marketing would be a real detriment trying to go and do this through remote because uh, just the, the difficulty we've kind of had to adapt to that in general anyway. But I think for where you're coming from, in, for where I'm looking at it, it is the matter of having the chance to go and see those projects, those particular presentations in hand. 
being able to go through comprehensive and having to go and just stay focused on a computer screen the entire time, not really getting a good look at body language or just getting the good senses and the tells that really let you know where things are going on with a presentation or if you are being pitched to or presented to as well. That back and forth, it's got to be, it's a little bit, the, the human element is taken away. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And it's, um, and look, we've been, I, I've been saying this a lot during the, the you know, just the times of, of COVID-19, but, right. but we were, uh, you know, our team, we, we, we were, I live in Dallas, Texas, where I founded the firm back in 14. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, a full team, including my partners that, that sit in our Fort Lauderdale office where we're, you know, where we, where we have a lot of our team, you know, we're obviously, we're headquartered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, uh, Cody Sanchez, who, who has been on this show before she lives in San Diego. So we, the joke's been is that we've been, you know, we were using zoom before zoom was cool. Uh, because for the past year, you know, that's how we meet weekly with our teams is that we are, you know, because we're in different places, uh, you know, that's, that's how we operate. So we're, we're used to it, but it still doesn't, um, replace what I mentioned earlier when we're, when we're looking at deals. Want to unpack a couple of things right there. You made to point out, uh, as you mentioned, Cody Sanchez has been on our, our network. Uh, want to point out that she had a great interview with Vern Davis, who represent, represents Protus Global over on plant profits. I would go ahead and definitely direct people to go ahead and check out the episode that she had with them. And as for Zoom, I must say, as a cannabis radio network in general, we also switched over to this platform uh, more than a year and a half ago uh, from Skype because we just saw the, the definite difference for business that we could do, plus also just recording our podcasts on a regular basis. It's been much more convenient for everybody as a whole. And I'm really, I mean, it's, a, it's surprising. Well, well also, I got to say, it's, you know, really, how much of competition has now come to the forefront because zoom far and away started leading the pack when it came to this kind of teleconferencing and now teams, Microsoft, Google meet, and then others are just coming trying to go ahead and take that spot. And either which way, I mean, it's, you can only do so many different technological advances to kind of help create a better feel of making this work. But again, it's only so much that you can do. I want to follow up on one more thing before we get to the break. Uh, There was a weekly newsletter from new cannabis ventures. And they said this quote, as we transition to what we have called the third wave of cannabis investing, we think it's worth reflecting on some of the things that went wrong in the second wave, a list too long to cover entirely. One of the biggest disappointments of the past few years has been the failure to date of two major strategic investments into the cannabis industry to create value. Scrolling down this newsletter, they cited the second waves of investments led by the initial investment by Constellation Brands. Uh, the other was uh, an initial investment of $245 million uh, dollars Canadian. That was, and then uh, Altria investing $2.4 billion Canadian into Kronos Group. They expressed, quote, disappointment with how long it has taken for the next strategic investment into the cannabis industry, but we expect to see one in the coming quarters. This time it likely won't be driven by fear of missing out. So we're, we're definitely moved away from the last couple of years where we have seen a number of companies that get put up. And this is where the media just gets a little bit. The portrayal is way too much and misconstrued and taken well out of context. We see certain you know, certain companies that are put on the chopping block that are put out there to slaughter, 
but it doesn't represent the investment community and what is out there for investors to put their money into, correct? Yeah, I think that the, the new Cannabis Ventures point um, is a good one. Uh, let's face it, the, the Constellation brand's investment into canopy growth was a game changer for the industry. It, it became you know, everyone thinking, okay, how, how, do, how do we get access to that cash? And for, the, for a while, they were the ones supporting the industry. I mean, they really were just with the, you know, all the creative acquisitions they made in the United States. I mean, heck, I had a couple of portfolio companies in Fund One that they acquired, which was great for us. Uh, but they also have this uh, pending um, uh, agreement to acquire acreage when we have, you know, quasi-legalization in the, in the States. So there's a lot of things that are still on the periphery with, with, as a result of that investment. I, I think what I, the point about how there hasn't been new investment to follow is a good one. And, um, but it is just a matter of when, not if. But the, the problem you have is what's been the problem all along, is that there's no U.S.-based company that is listed on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ that can write a check into the, into the United States uh, cannabis industry, um, for fear of, of, you know, breaking federal law. And so until there's something, some kind of guidance that gives them the ability to do that, we're going to have this stalemate. And so, uh, that probably brings up some things you may want to talk about on the other side of the break with just respect to how COVID has potentially changed things and how I think there's a, a real chance that, the that next wave of investment could ha investment could happen sooner rather than later. You're exactly right. I do want to go into the next break. Uh, after this break, I do want to go and go into, I think, you know, really, in my opinion, I'll speak for myself, I see a lot of optimism. And, you know, if people, if the stock, uh, the Wall Street types like to use the terms bull and bear market, I think bull is definitely where we can see things going for the cannabis industry. I want to go ahead and lay that case for everyone. I'm here once again with the founder and managing partner of Entourage Effect Capital, Matt Hawkins, here on Blunt Business. Back with more questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. 
Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We're having another great conversation uh, with the folks at Entourage Effect Capital here on Blunt Business. And I'm here with Matt Hawkins, who's founder and managing partner. If you want to go and find out more, you can go to their website, EntourageEffectCapital.com, all one word. You can find a lot of great information there and find out all about the team. Really appreciate all you do, and thank you for making all the time to go and join us here. Motley Fool, I want to go through a couple different uh, financial websites that have, have made some uh, comments here. They reported this recently, quote, most companies throughout the U.S., medical use and adult use cannabis supply chains have been deemed essential businesses, which was a great thing for us. Now, this has certainly been a big positive for the country's cannabis market and in turn for IIP. Now, however, um, there are social distancing measures that have been implemented by authorities and businesses to slow the spread of the virus that have hurt cannabis sales. But we're seeing, obviously, reopening of the economy. Hopefully, that would make some changes. In other words, the increases in curbside pickup and online ordering haven't fully made up for the loss of business from brick-and-mortar retailers. The good news for the cannabis market in the United States is that state economies are beginning to open. Many states are opening in phases. I know in Florida, where I'm at, it's 50% open. And we could see, you know, it's really growing as it goes along as the cases continue to go down, which, with all the other news going on, I don't know how much of a case it becomes where states are going to stay locked down. I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you um, see some factors where I, I've been talking about on the show, the HEROES Act, the proposed third phase of stimulus uh, help for businesses and, and, for, uh, and for citizens, where they would incorporate the language of the Safe Banking Act. At least the House Democrats are trying to offer that in. Or do you see where I've also looked at stories about prioritizing legalization and making that be an extra help, an extra leverage to help get the economy back up for those in the States and for Wall Street in general. Do you think all this could create another buyer's market for large-scale investment in cannabis? Well, um, first of all, I, I unfortunately don't think the uh, kind of the, the inclusion of the Safe Banking Act or a version thereof into this uh, a potential next round of, of CARES Act funding or stimulus package uh, funding is, is going to be included in anything final. I right. think, unfortunately, we will be um, pawns in, a, in the political game that's going on right now, which is just, you know, a nightmare on all levels. So yeah. um, I think that, and, and it really, in fact, I was actually disappointed to see that that was in there because I think it's just going to be one of the first things that's taken out. Um, but right. that's my personal opinion. But however, having <clears> said that, um, because of all of the positive that's happened with COVID for the industry, namely the fact that we've been deemed essential, which was huge, 
Um, but also, and, and actually I take exception with some of the Molly Fool's uh, data. I mean, you know, we've got 66 investments in our portfolio and I can tell you wow. that almost to the company that the, the, the revenue from March until now has been um, from a year over year standpoint has increased dramatically, even at the retail facilities. So just because we've had, uh, you know, social distancing and, and limited uh, foot traffic at the stores, the, the delivery, the online, the curbside pickup has helped and then some. So that's been a huge plus. But the biggest thing here is because of all of the government uh, funding that's been in place to try to save the economy, every single layer of government, but from the local state to the federal government, is going to need new revenue streams to make up for that deficit. You're already seeing it in, in municipalities of California that for the longest time were saying no to this. Now they want it and they want it now. Um, I think we're going to see um, California, for example, and some other states uh, make their regulatory uh, framework more uh, more more friendly to the uh, to the companies to the cannabis companies, which would be great because that involves a kind of an overhaul of the taxation uh, mucky muck that's in place in California in particular. But then, getting to the federal government, there I really truly believe that because of the how bipartisan the states act passed in the house. And I think if not for the impeachment, we probably would have seen a version thereof passed in the Senate. I really do believe that something similar to that will pass, you know, once things return to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and whether that's before or after the election, I think all this has done, I think, has sped up uh, a case and probably the effectuation of, of, of federal quasi-legalization. I definitely, I want to definitely agree with you that I don't like the fact that the Safe Banking Act language is being used as a bargaining chip in this latest round of legislation. I am curious to see how far it stays in there and how far it's going to be considered. I think that just getting a measurement of where that would go in the negotiation would be an interesting point of, of just to see what what will be said by the legislators in that point. But I, I completely agree. I know that, that Governor Newsom in California had talked about wanting to try to get more tax revenue from the cannabis industry, but he has to create the, the there has to be openings where there is op opportunity zones, making some uh, concessions when it comes to reforming the tax uh, taxes so that it can be much easier helping out, you know, insisting in, I guess, in regulatory efforts, things like that. You know, when it comes to, and I also want to get back to your original point from the Motley Fool article. I also do agree that, you know, the essential business term, when it came to the brick and mortar businesses, there was a lot of panic buying in the first place. And a number of businesses had that. So the struggle that most of those brick and mortar businesses had was more about supply and demand because some of that supply was being changed over for supplies for, you know, for some of the uh, emergency uh, help, which was a bigger change. And then also having to go and just find new supply chains to keep things going. But I mean, the curbside delivery obviously catapulted and then. I think as you know, some businesses have been able to open, it's been better off. I mean, it's, I don't, I really don't see where there was the big difference in and where there was a, a big drop off in sales or growth. And again, I'm so happy to hear that with all the portfolio of companies that you're working with, you're seeing growth across the board and that's going to continue. I don't, I think there's a bit of a bump here, but not much of a bump at all. I completely with you on that. 
want to go into another story here from Seeking Alpha, which I follow quite a bit when it comes to being a novice financier, trying to learn about investments and portfolios and stock trading. Uh, Alan Brockstein, he wrote an op-ed here, and he said this, quote, I believe that the pandemic will ultimately serve as the most important catalyst for growth of the legal cannabis industry to date. In the early days, it was not clear how things would play out from a supply and demand perspective, with the exception of Massachusetts, which shut down adult use sales while continuing to allow medical sales. Every single jurisdiction deemed cannabis an essential service, a decision that illustrates how cannabis has overcome stigma to become mainstream. When you hear that, what are your sentiments on that? What, how do you feel about that? Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I've been, I've been saying that. You know, probably since April one, I, I was scared to death yeah. in mid March, even early March, on just what was going to happen here because these companies don't have. I mean, look, because we can't access uh, lines of credit for you know at, at reasonable rates from traditional banks. I mean, we don't have the staying power that other companies do in different industries. So if there was a prolonged shutdown in the cannabis industry, we'd be we'd be screwed. Yeah, there's just no doubt about it, and there and it's. And again, by the grace of God, we were given this uh, essential business designation and, and then we were off to the races. Uh, another thing that I think is, is I, there's, I don't think there's any real quantifi quantifiable data for this, but if you think about it, what we were, we were touching upon the, 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 uh, the taxation platform that exists currently in California. Well, mm -hmm. one of the problems is, is that it's short-sighted and that it doesn't realize the, the, the powers that be don't understand, it seems, that if they had a bigger bucket to tax, they'd make more money. And yes. so, but but in order to do that, you got to incentivize people to quit going down the street to, to, to buy their stuff and, and have them go in where it's it's full and safe and, and, and forget about that mess. Well, what's happened here, I think, and I think this is something to do with, with increased sales. And we have some data that suggests that a lot, it, because of they're seeing new customers come in, that we've had a conversion of the illicit market when we didn't even realize it was happening. And if you think about it, it makes sense. People during the shutdown didn't want to go down the street to buy something from somebody. They would go into a place that were, you know, pioneers in social distancing, pioneers with, uh, you know, the masks and gloves of selling consumable goods. And guess what? That's the cannabis industry. The, the novel concept of, of curbside pickup and, and expanded delivery. We're doing that just like, you know, other retailers are. But, hell, we were doing it first, it seems. So I think you have a, an inherent conversion rate that's being – that's picked up some. And I think if you uh, – people now just in these times are probably willing to pay a little bit more, um, you know, to be safe. And the reality is if we can get aligned with the regulatory agencies, then hopefully that the, you know, the, the decrease in tax will lead to a more even, even playing field with the illicit market. Exactly right, because we need to see some leverages changed in favor of these regulated, regulated businesses, the, the real market, because the illicit market is taking so much away. Uh, one other question I want to ask you, if this is just an offside, is the fact that we're seeing the the growth of the stock market itself. The Dow Jones itself, S&P, NASDAQ, they're growing, and they've all grown significantly. Dow Jones has, has gained back what it lost from March 23rd, Black Monday, all the way up about 65, 70%. But the Canadian Securities Exchange, which is another indicator, which is more of an indicator, I would think, as a layman watching, you know, the finances of the cannabis industry, 
I haven't seen that kind of grow back in the same parallel. Uh, when you look at that, I mean, how much do you view or value what you're seeing indicated on the CSC and where people should see if you're talking to possible uh, investors? So, well, a couple of things. Um, the, the companies that are listed on the CSC that are U.S. based, I think, mm -hmm. are, are definitely seeing, uh, you know, at least the ones that are operated well are seeing good times right now. Yeah. The Canadian companies that are listed on the CSC uh, aren't necessarily seeing the same because they just don't have the market the United States has. Right. And, um, and that's a problem, and it'll continue to be a problem. Um, we don't invest in public companies per se. I mean, we only make private investments. Now, some of those have either gone public or they've been gobbled up by public companies, or in some cases, we've made uh, private investments into public companies. Um, but that's an exception to the rule. Um, so, but across the board, I think U.S.-based companies are seeing an increase in sales, whether they're listed on the, the CSC or not. Yeah. Well said. All right. We're going to come back. We got one last question for you. Uh, before we go ahead and wrap things up, I'm here with Matt Hawkins, founder and managing partner at Entourage Effect Capital. Again, while you're uh, waiting around for the break, go ahead and take a look at the website, find all the great information, Entourage Effect Capital. Com, all one word. We'll be back with Matt Hawkins after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The Green Peak with Richard Zwicky. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. 
Back with final questions with Matt Hawkins, founder and managing partner at Entourage Effect Capital here in Blunt Business. Uh, so the op-ed I talked about before the break from SeekingAlpha.com, Alan, Alan Brockstein, I thought was very well, very optimistic and well, well, well deserved. Now, in the, another thing he also brought up, I wanted to bring up this passage, quote, following an extreme capital crunch brought on by two black swan events. The third wave begins with strong companies within the sector and potentially new entrants that are building their companies on sounder fundamental principles in the position to finally deliver on the promise of legalized cannabis that investors have been pursuing for for more than seven years. So leaving that there, I just want to get your comments, some takeaways on um, what, how you go ahead and uh, what your perception is right now, how you go ahead and uh, work on investing or how you would go ahead and provide advice to those that are looking to invest in the market now with companies. Um, what kind of changes do you see or how do you evolve where things go post pandemic? Sure. Um, well, look, we, we are, you know, we've, we've, we manage, uh, you know, with 70 investments, we've, you know, we've got well over 150 million under management. We're, wow. we're, we're raising another fund right now that'll, that'll probably double the size of our assets under management. Um, and so we plan on, um, continuing to exploit the market with, uh, with, with, you know, with the smart investment strategy that we've been employing since 2014. I think the difference now is, um, you have a, uh, you still have a capital crunch in the in the industry. And I think that climate's not going to change until, um, institutional capital is in the mix. Um, I think that we have a situation where we still have depressed values as a result of that capital crunch. But what's interesting on the other side of COVID that didn't exist prior to COVID is you've got companies that are now either uh, have increased sales and on the verge of profitability or increased sales with profitability. So you kind of got the best of all worlds when you want to invest in cannabis right now, if you know where to do it. And so that's my, 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 my two recommendations to new investors in the industry are a uh, find somebody that you trust that you can, that's been doing this for a long time uh, to put your money with. And then secondly, find opportunities to create scale. And that is what we're, our whole strategy is right now is how do we, maximize what we have in our existing portfolio and a new investments going forward to create that scale in advance of federal legalization. Because that's where I think the true money is going to be made is when, you know, the Goldman's and the Blackstone's and all these others that are just chomping at the bit to get into the game, start writing checks. They're going to go find the ones that are the biggest and the best. Um, and all, and, and from, and from sector, you know, and that's, and they won't be sector specific either. It will focus lies up and down the value chain. I also want to point out, there was an interview on our Green Peak program, hosted by Richard Zwicky, uh, where he spoke with Stephen D'Angelo. And one of the things he brought up in that interview was the fact of how important communication is right now when it comes to, uh, and the dialogue, really keeping to the heritage of what was going on with those that have been in the space for a long time and making sure those that are brought into the space have a real understanding of the history of the industry and where things are so that there's a lot of heritage that stays intact. And also more than anything else is mentioning that he mentioned there how many different people say in Silicon Valley or in other areas that are just waiting for the time to jump into this industry. Cause there's a lot of 
investors out there on the fence. They're just waiting for the right moment. And they're and that hasn't changed at all at this point. Now, one last thing I want to ask you about, Matt. I really do appreciate you taking time. I've really brought some uh, – you've been great with all my questions today. I really do appreciate you being so candid. Now, last October, Entourage Effect launched its third diversified cannabis fund. Tell me what the status is on that. Is that still going on right now? Yeah, for sure. We're still – you know, we're out raising money for the third fund. and It's a lot larger than what we've done in the past. Um, so it'll take us a long time to get to our goal. Um, but that's okay. We're going to, we will probably make our first investment out of the fund sometime this summer. Um, and I think that, you know, I can't, can't put a timeline when we're going to have a final closing, but, uh, you know, we're just, you know, COVID did that, did that, like I said, that's one thing that does impact new investment dollars, uh, you know, is a pandemic. So now that we're getting at least, somewhat of a feeling that we're we're at least able to potentially get back on planes and whatnot then i think we're going to have a little bit easier time uh getting to our target and uh and we look forward to to doing that so again i want to go ahead and encourage people to go to entourageeffectcapital.com i see you have a newsletter that everybody can go ahead and subscribe to lots of news and education and information up there and, and finally just take a minute to talk to our listeners i want to give you that platform uh, where can people go ahead and reach out to you and where, I guess, see on the website, what things should they be looking out for on how to go and connect to make sure that you're in touch with what all of you're doing at Entourage Effect? Um, yeah, we have, there, there's probably, there, there's, there's, we have a, a, a link that you can get in touch with us to contact us if you have any questions or interest or, uh, or opportunities. Um, and that's probably the best way to, uh, to reach out. Um, we are, you know, very involved in the industry. Uh, we have a presence at almost every single event. Um, now they're virtual events, but, uh, yeah. if, you know, we, if we cross paths there, I'd love to, to visit with anyone and everyone. Fantastic. I really appreciate your time, Matt. I know, uh, really appreciate you taking time of your busy day again, Matt Hawkins, who's a partner, managing partner and founder at Entourage Effect Capital. Thank you so much for being with us here on Blunt Business. And definitely, you know, we're, we're really, uh, we love what you're doing in Entourage Effect Capital, all your team there. And we're definitely going to keep in touch. And uh, they please keep us posted on any new news that comes across the board. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. We'll definitely keep that on the books. So again, Matt Hawkins, founder, managing partner, Entourage Effect Capital. Thank you for being on with us. Thank you, listeners, for listening to us once again. As again, you can always find the show through of course, where we are, CannabisRadio.com, where we put the show out every week. And it is super syndicated to all major podcast platforms. You can't miss us. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.